Hello, hello, and welcome to episode 176 of All Booked Up, the Buffalo and Erie County Public Library's podcast about books, movies, and all things pop culture. I am your host, Michelle Snyder. And I am Jacob Maricu. It has been a minute, my friend. How are you? I'm pretty good. We got our nice little vacation in, got to relax a little. Little Christmas, little New Year's. Actually, some snow showed up. It's been an eventful couple of days, actually, around I mean, a whole new year happened. Goodbye. 2021. Thank God. Get out of here. Go join 2020 under the rock from whence you came. I legitimately forgot what year it was the other day. <laughs> I was sitting around. I'm like, wait a minute. What year is it? It's 2022. Like, no, it can't be. They have all blended. But I will say, how dare you as a final act take Betty White from us? You, we we haven't had a chance to talk about that. You knew it was going to happen. Like You knew it. You knew it was going to happen. People jinxed her because they're like 14 days to 100 years. I know. She was like already on the cover of People magazine. Like, how I'm going to celebrate my 100th birthday. Yeah. I really love Betty White. I love all the Golden Girls. I'm a huge fan. My stepdaughter actually broke the news to me in like a very delicate text. And I was like, oh, I think you're wrong. You probably just saw her in the news for her birthday coming up. And she was like, no, that's not what I saw. So she texts you like, "I'm pregnant." I'm like, "No, you're not." My God! And like, "Okay, I'm not pregnant, but Betty White died." <laughs> no, be pregnant. That's terrible. <laughs> um, so yeah, so we love to do at the end of a year or the beginning of a new one. Either one. Our best of list, which is usually something that takes a long time to whittle down mm. to the top few. But not this year. No, it's a pretty rough year, man. This was so difficult to even... I don't have a top 10 movies of the year even. I feel like I forgot half of the movies I I saw this year. I was the beginning of the year. I don't know. There was just a lot of really average stuff. And then a ton of stuff that just hasn't come to us yet. Like I was like, oh, I'm super interested in licorice pizza. I haven't seen the new Wes Anderson. Like all of those. I don't know when they're coming. It's here. Licorice pizza's here. It's just in one theater out in Orchard Park. Yeah. Two times a day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I want to catch that 215 movie. That's not real. So hopefully when it comes to streaming. But we're going to try to talk about our favorites. I have... um, I limited my books. I do always have a top 10 fiction and nonfiction books, but I picked like four from those. I really mm. limited that. And then I just have a couple movies to talk about. What do you have to talk yeah, about? Yeah, I got a couple movies, TV shows. You know, it's probably not like the best stuff. This isn't going to be like, you know, what's going to win Best Picture because this is a weird year for Best Picture. Oh, I, I don't even have a guess what would be winning Best I mean, Picture right now. Jeez <laughs> Louise. Nothing it, was that great. No, it's not. And like there's a lot of discussion from Disney. This, this is the level that we're at. Disney is actually putting up like a bunch of Marvel stuff this year. They're putting Spider-Man and Eternals up for Best Picture, and they're trying to push wow, Scarlett really? Johan- Johansson for Best Actress uh, for Black Widow. Here, Here's the thing. I, again, I don't hold... I love that people love stuff. Mm-hmm. Love the thing that you love. But as a person who isn't into it, I'm like, can you please make some other content as well? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's so much Marvel content. You guys aren't getting sick of the same characters over and over again? No, nah, man. There's new stories all along. Now there's a multiverse. Now everybody's oh, a part of it. There's literally unlimited characters now. We just had a movie where they brought out the people from the uh, 
the Spider-Man uh, Sony movies. I don't. You got Willem Dafoe running around the MCU, I just, Green Goblining it up. It's 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 glorious, man. It's hard to express how much I don't care about that, but I'm happy <laughs> that everybody else cares. But I would use some movies. So yep. we're gonna talk about the stuff that we did like. I will say that we're gonna skip talking about Dune, yeah. which I think would be on both of our top ten lists, only because we had a whole Dune episode. Probably so. the probably the best best movie of the year. It's probably, probably. the best picture. I think probably. it's the front runner right now. Um, and then we won't talk about the movie Malignant that we. We loved oh. because we also talked about That's, that uh, ridiculousness. That a would be lot. that would be all we talked about. As soon as we started getting into, be like, you know what? This is just going to be the Gabriel uh, fan episode. Is it's, all this is going to be. That was just really something. God, but, guys, 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 go go check out. Go <laughs> check out. It's still fantastic. So, but yeah, let's hop into some of the stuff we did like. So, I would probably say my top film of the year um, just came out in December, but it would be Don't Look Up. Oh, old okay. Adam McKay there. You yeah, saw it. I you did enjoyed see it. it. I did see I did enjoy it, actually. Okay. I feel like the controversy around it kind of proves the point of the movie. Um, 100%. I just, some of these movies where you get the controversy or the really low scores versus the really high ones, yeah. every time I go to see those, I'm always on the really high score side. Yeah, and I'm I was look- like, this is Wolf of Wall Street all over again. As I finished watching it, I'm, I was like, literally, I scoffed to myself, and I'm like, oh, geez, I wonder who's going to rate this movie low. I can't I possibly figure it out. It's true. So I'll give you a breakdown of what it's about. So it's about uh, Kate D. Biaschi. Played by Jennifer Lawrence. And with a questionable haircut. Oh, that movie. wig. Um, but Oof. she is an astronomy grad student, and her professor, Dr. Randall Mindy, Leonardo DiCaprio. And get ready, I'm just going to keep dropping names throughout it's, this it's movie. All, this movie's a bunch of names a bunch strung of stars. together. So they make an astounding discovery of a comet orbiting within the solar system. The problem is mm-hmm. that it is on a direct collision course with Earth. The other problem, if that doesn't seem like a big enough problem, is that no one really seems to care nope. about this. It's a hoax. It turns out warning mankind about a planet killer the size of Mount Everest is an inconvenient fact to navigate. Mm-hmm. So with the help of another doctor, Kate and Randall embark on this media tour that takes them from the office of an indifferent president, played by Meryl Streep. Who's, who having, who's having a ton of fun. She definitely is. Her and Jonah Hill are just oh, l- yes. having a blast. Her son is the chief of staff, um, Jason, who's played by Jonah Hill, who's ridiculous. And then they're on the airways of this um, morning show called The Daily Rip. Um, hosted by Kate Blanchett and Tyler Perry. Who I am I am not at all ashamed to say I did not realize I was Kate Blanchett for way longer into this movie. They than did I some makeup on her to make her look like she has like a ton of plastic surgery and it's amazing. Mm-hmm. They do such a good job. Um, but with only six months until this comet makes impact, managing the twenty four hour news cycle and gaining the attention of the social media obsessed public before it is too late is of course shockingly comical. Because what will it take to get the world to just look up? So this film, if you haven't seen it, it is very silly, yet undeniably urgent. Um, I loved every second of it. And it has like that so sharp it hurts satire that kind of skewers our current state of politics, technology, celebrity culture within the context of an asteroid headed to Earth. I mean, it covers literally everything. and about like society and the way they would handle this kind of news like I mean it was depressing it's not even the way that they would handle it because you're like it's the way we are handling it we exactly. have this news we don't have a comet but we're like the earth's gonna yeah. die with all of this issues with climate change and we're just like 
Maybe. Hey, everybody. The comet, it's a metaphor. It's a metaphor in this movie. Um, but yeah, it's. It's a super it's very, fun very film. depressing when you're watching it because you're like pretty much just nodding along. Yeah, that's probably how this it's, would all happen. It's that depressing funny where you laugh and then you're like, oh, God, we're all going to die. That's pretty much the feeling of the entire film. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. You're like, well, we, we're doomed. Like, there's no, <laughs> no point to any of it. Just whatever. Um, I do love that Jennifer Lawrence actually filmed most of her scenes with a broken tooth. Mm. Due to restrictions during COVID, she couldn't get her tooth fixed. So she had a missing tooth that they had to add in in post-production. <laughs> that's like the one special effect. That's where they spent all the money on the effects. Like, Seriously, that doesn't Jennifer seem, Lawrence that tooth seems in there. difficult. And I also <laughs> like that Jonah Hill said that his notion of his character was what if uh, Fire Festival was a person? Yeah. You know what? That's <laughs> accurate. He really nailed it. There's a guy that doesn't show up in much anymore. Jonah Hill, he doesn't pop. He only pops up in these kind of movies at this He's point. He's getting kind of weird. He is getting a little weird. You like a little, him in real life, it's a like, little too much where I'm like, ooh, ease back a little, Jonah Hill. Yeah, somebody needs to uh, pay attention. Are you okay, Jonah Hill? Like, yeah, yeah, a little bit. But it's, <laughs> it's excellent. And like Leonardo DiCaprio actually spoke with real life astronomers um, and they had like long conversations about the real mathematics behind everything. And he got about a six month quality education on orbital dynamics. So, you know, the stuff they're talking about, you're like, oh, it makes sense. It's not those movies where they just say things and you're like, those words don't mean anything. Yeah, well, you got like uh, somebody walking in there uh, doing this, like, if you saw The Rock doing this movie, it's like garble, garble, science. <laughs> you're like, I don't know whatever. about that. Like, I don't believe any of it. Word out of your mouth, but. So there's not a lot of great stuff, but if you have Netflix, um, until it comes to the library, you can check out Don't Look Up. Yeah. You All know right. what? Speaking of Netflix, here's another one that is pretty good. It's going to be, I feel like Don't Look Up is going to be a Best Picture nominee this year. Sure. And I feel like this one is too. Uh, I'm going with uh, Power of the Dog, a movie I saw just the other day. Yes, I Directed saw by well. Jane Champion of the Piano Fame, which I did not remember recognize her name mm-hmm. until I had to look it up. Also stars Benedict Cumberbatch and Cody Smith McPhee. I think that's how you pronounce his name. I think so. And um, oh, Kirsten Kier- Dunst is Kirsten also in this. Kirsten Dunst. Oh, and your boy Jesse Plemons. Do love Jesse Plemons. So, I love that they're just this little happy married couple making movies together. Th- it is kind of fun. Like this is mm-hmm. the second time, and both have been really good. I actually kind of laughed. I'm like, oh, this is like the the grandfather of their um, of their uh, Fargo characters yeah. in this movie. Um, so this movie. It's not so much that the story itself was as intriguing to me, because it was. It was a good movie. I liked the performances in it, if it was a little slow for the majority of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, but this is one where the ending of this movie, it's basically the whole thing about this. It's one where the it's going to be up for Best Picture, like I said. It looks fantastic. The performances are top-notch. But like the plot itself, it the whole movie, it feels like it's taking you on one journey. And then right like at the very end of this movie you find out oh no that's not what was going on at all and we're just going to switch everything up on you and if you go back and watch it again it's like we kind of told you what was going on the whole time you just weren't paying attention yeah it's also a book by the way i kind of disagree with jacob i was not very impressed with this movie i thought that benedict cumberbatch was poorly cast he was not convincing to me at any moment as like a rugged cowboy like i'm sorry benny you just didn't and also the 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 propulsion of the film, um, without giving anything away, is that Benedict Cumberbatch's character is so terrible to Kirsten Dunst mm-hmm. that it's practically just killing her. She can barely handle his cruelty, his evilness. But, like, he was low-key mean. He was, like, mean kind of twice. So I was like, I'm having such a hard time buying the rest of this film when it's all based on him. Why wasn't they—why didn't they just make him, like, crueler? 
Well, that's that. Well, I guess he was that, so super nice to her. He was mean to her son once, and then they were like BFFs. And yet she was just like, ah, I got the shakes when I see him. And I was like, but why? He's not doing anything. Oh, see, now that's where I think mean. That's one of the parts me and you did not see the movie the same way because I feel like the whole Kirsten Dunst story, I feel like that was like a side plot in this movie. Like it was a major part of it, but it was only like part of what was going on. And I feel like it was used to distract you from the overall plot because really, because if, if they didn't have that in there, where you think this is like the main thing going on, you would just be focusing on everything else happening and be like, oh crap. Like, I don't I know. Knew what's going and on and right I feel like start. that was the main, that's what propelled the whole movie forward, including its conclusion, is all because of her. But you guys will have to watch. Yeah, because it's got a surprise, so we can't really ruin it. Um, yeah. It, I always laugh when I watch Cumberbatch playing an American movie because I just love the Cumberbatch American accent. It's just the best. When he finds it. Hi, Michelle. I am Benedict Cumberbatch. I just, I, I'm also not a huge Benedict Cumberbatch fan. Um, I like Cumberbatch. I so that have. might have something to one, do Once with I found it. out he was a real guy and it wasn't just like an internet joke of a British actor, I was like, you know what? I, I can get into this guy. <laughs> he does. He looks like if you computer generated a human being, you just put him into the computer and you're like, give me some weird eyes and a blank face. But no weird one else British could accent. have played this like rough and tumble Midwestern rancher. I mean, who else are you going to get? I mean, really. Are you joking? Like, who, who else? Yeah, I mean, just bust out any names. Like, why not Cumberbatch? He's a big name. You can make a movie with him. <laughs> he's they love giving nominating for Oscars. I think he's been nominated two or three times. So if you want to get it, then I actually I, think Cody Smith McPhee's got an outside chance at supporting actor in this. For yeah, this category I mean, he was too. good. He was good at staring into the. He's, into the he distance, is a stare. I'll give you that. But all right, I respect Jacob's pick. Power of the dog. Check it out. Check it out, everyone. Um. Okay. This one. This I saw recently. This was excellent. It is a documentary called Summer of Soul or when the revolution could not be televised. This is super cool. This is a debut film from Quest Love. Oh. And he presents this really powerful and transporting documentary part music film, part historical record created around an epic event that celebrated black history, culture, and fashion. So I've never heard this story before this, but over the course of six weeks in the summer of 1969, just 100 miles south of Woodstock. Hmm. So that's happening. Everybody knows about Woodstock. But the Harlem Cultural Festival was filmed in Mount Morris Park. And the footage after this six-week event was never seen, and it was largely forgotten until now, until Questlove kind of came upon it and made it into this documentary. Hmm. And it features these never-seen-before concert performances by Stevie Wonder, Nina Simone, Sly and the Family Stone, Gladys Knight and the Pips, um, Matt Roach, Abby Lincoln, and there's so many more. It was incredible. Of course, it was just forgotten, not shockingly. But the film, it's an absolute joy. I don't know how it was just written out of the history books, especially because it was going on at like the same time as Woodstock. But I want to say that this is probably the best concert movie that I've ever seen. Really? Yes. That is, that is big praise. And it's a really great job by Quest Love because it was 40 hours of film that he managed to edit down to two hours. Never never fun. Never like, fun do you know how many times he had to watch that? Like, first he edited down to 24 hours. That was, like, his big one. And then he had to just keep with that cut for several months and just keep 
whittling it down and down and down. It took five months of just editing to get it down, and it's really concise, and it's excellent. It was a really great film. I feel like if Questlove hears September, he goes into a blind rage. He just starts throwing (laughs) things around the room. He's like, I don't want to hear it anymore. I mean, kind of. He must have heard that stuff so much. But it was really, really special, and if you like that kind of music, I mean, Mavis Staples is out there just blaring. It's it's really extraordinary. It was really enjoyable. I think we all know how that disappeared from the record books. We don't need to get into why, but we think we all know how I that know. Happened. It's just very disappointing, so I'm really glad that, that it's out there now. I'll tell you what's not disappeared from the record books. Mm. The number one show on TV, which I just got into this year. Okay. You ready for this, Michelle? It is the mega hit of the Paramount Network, <gasps> Yellowstone. Oh, the Kevin Costner vehicle. Don't. I'm so excited. I watched my first episode last night, oh, so yeah, talk but, about it. All right, let's, let's get into it before I ask what you thought of it. So this is a show centers around the Dutton Ranch in Montana. John, oh, I'm John Travolta, jeez. Kevin, <laughs> Kevin Costner stars as uh, John Dutton. He's the head of this family. Uh, it's basically this huge ranch that, I don't know exactly how big it is. Um, it's like it's, a quarter of the size of Montana or something like that. It's the size of Rhode Island. Is that what it is? Yes. <laughs> so it's this massive, massive ranch. It's like here. disgusting. And he's basically in charge of running this place because it's been in his family forever. But of course, People are always trying to take it from him. He's getting into feuds with the local native reservation, uh, which is run by Gil Birmingham, a, f- a fan of this one. Love him. Uh, it's also got a top shelf uh, supporting cast here. We got Wes Bentley running around here, who everybody kind of hasn't seen since uh, American Beauty, I believe that was. He was in Hunger Games. Oh, he was? That's mm-hmm. right. The guy pops up every once in a while. He's usually pretty I good was happy stuff. to see him. <laughs> um, Kelly Riley's in here doing her Kelly Riley thing, being, oof, wait till you see some of the arcs that girl goes through. Uh, Luke Grimes, Cole Hauser is in his as well. Luke Grimes is a hottie, too, oh, I, I just want to say. I knew you would like him. Oh, my like, goodness. He, he is definitely I do. <laughs> you're, you're like, get those shirts off. Brand that boy. Oh. Um, but, yeah, it is such a good – it's like – how would I describe it? It's like Sons of Anarchy cowboy style. It also feels kind of like a Cormac McCarthy novel. Oh, well, that's true. Um, it's written by Taylor Sheridan, who we could do an we, entire episode on I don't that know how day. we haven't, because we both adore him. Yeah. I mean, either he's acting, writing, directing, all of it, he's he, great at. He, uh, spoiler for future in the show, he is on the show. He's a, oh, he's a okay, kind of cool. important character on the show, right. too. So. Um, but yeah, it's just, if you like the cowboy life, if you're curious what life is like on a ranch with a little bit of like gangster, mobster stuff going on. Well, always, when there's that much money involved. Oh uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, this is like the this has been the number one show on cable for the past three years or so. I didn't even know that. Nobody does. I only watched it because you told me it was good. Yeah. And I agree, we were really into it. Although I did not look at how long the first episode was. It's and last surprisingly night I was like, what long. is going on? It's still on. It's so late. <laughs> yeah, it's surprisingly long. But it does it does suck you. In, the more you watch it, the more you will get invested into this. It's such a big hit. They've actually spun it off into two different shows now. Really? Uh, there's the Paramount Network 1883, which is a prequel to this show okay and then they have this upcoming show uh 6666 which is going to be like a spin-off set in texas wow which you know actually plays off of the show is a storyline in season four that sets it up so such a surprise not one i thought i would like because i'm not a huge costner fan but he is actually really good on the show he loves that he loves that world 
he just oh. wants to ride horses. He has like his own ranch in Colorado. Like that's just his thing. Yeah, he, he gets to wear some loose fitting jeans. He gets to wear a like a flannel t shirt. Yeah, he tough guy. Everybody, everybody's wearing stuff tucked in in this shirt. There's not an untucked <laughs> shirt to be. Well, seen. he can't show off their belt buckles. I actually didn't recognize Cole Hauser in this show because when I saw it was him, I was like, "What is? I, that's not how I remember him looking." He put on a lot of weight, and he's actually playing a nice guy for once. Like I'm not used to that. He's playing Rip in the show. The, oh, okay, uh, the head, yeah. The head. Uh, I have cowboy. so many questions, but I'm not going to ask any. I'm just going to keep watching. But we'll, good, we'll get into it off the show. Jacob. But yeah, Yellowstone, man, go check it out. It's it's fantastic. And where can you watch it right now? It's not at the library not, yet. Not yet. They haven't released them. They they will be. There's going to be some DVDs coming out of that boy. It's all it's a Paramount Network show, so you can check it out. Uh, the former Spike TV. It's a, it'll it'll be on your dial. You'll be able to find it. Okay. Um, all right, I have another documentary because again, it was just such a weird year for movies that I was like, all of these were meh. But this one was enjoyable. It is called Listening to Kenny G. Oh, boy. Bear with me here. So this is, as we know, saxophonist Kenny G. And he is speaking candidly about his musical background, his stringent work ethic, and his just controversial standing as a jazz canon. It is an examination of the man who is the most popular instrumentalist of all time Mm -hmm. and why he is polarizing to so many. This is a film by Penny Lane. She's done some other um, music biographies, and she really delivers something unique because it's a cinematic work of music criticism um, and a far-reaching speculation on the philosophy of taste and, like, the sociology of aesthetics. Um, It really – it's because so many people, like, they either are obsessed with Kenny G – or they would hate Kenny G. And a lot of the interviewed people in it would rather not listen to Kenny G music at all. And their sure. kind of aversion is the mainspring of the film. But again, he is the best-selling instrument- instrumentalist artist ever. And he's identified by like that single kind of music, smooth jazz, which was coined purposefully to just describe his music. He mm-hmm. created like a whole genre. Um, and in the mid-1980s, his music rose to nearly instant popularity and quickly became a mainstay of shopping malls Den- and dentist Den- waiting office, rooms. Yeah. The elevator and yeah, all that stuff. Going but on. also radio stations. So you were listening to him whether or not you wanted to. Like, I, he was impossible to avoid. I feel like Kenny G is one of those deceptively rich guys. Like, he has got, he's one of those Liberace rich Oh, he's super people. rich, but it was also interesting listening to him because he's like, well, I like my music, and he practices three to five hours every day still. Yeah, that's how you do it. That's how you stay the best. I know, but then you're listening to his music, and I'm like, I don't want to listen to it at all. But, no. like, he was really great in person. Um... He was really fun, and I don't know. Like, he was obviously the heart of the movie, and just listening to people that just loved him and couldn't wait to get home and unwind to his music, and then music critics who were like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to music. It's really good. Kenny G, music that you put on and forget that it's on an hour later. I mean, kind of, but you can't deny that he's, like, skilled. I couldn't name one Kenny G song. But but, I know but if I played guy. four songs for you, I bet but, you $100, you'd be like, I know that song, I know that song, I know that song. That's yeah, what's crazy. It, it's nuts. The guy's definitely talented, but he's like, oh. I, I know. So it's really interesting. It's currently streaming on HBO. Check out Listening to Kenny G. Listening to Kenny G. Oh, boy. <laughs> 
it's worth it. Yeah, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see what's going on with this dude. He cut his hair, so that's nice. Him and Michael. Yeah, but it's still curly. He's like, I know. I'm not dumb. Like, I know that if I got rid of this hair, I would lose half of my popularity. Yeah, yeah, he's like, not wrong. He's though. got it, you know. I, I want to see the fight between Kenny G and Yo Yo Ma. Just going <laughs> at it, dude. <laughs> You're dumb. There's a, dr- a knockdown drag out with Michael Bolton doing the announcement. Oh, God. <laughs> what a oh. terrible concert that would be. My God. Bring I think Yo Yo Ma is pretty good. Yeah, but I prefer strings. Like, it's easier on strings than a soprano sax for like a two hour show. Yeah. I'd be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait to play how mad so you, many of his songs. How right mad now. do you think Kenny G go, gets when somebody else careless whisper at his concerts? And he's like, how dare you? <laughs> he's just like, well, he's show, doing this. Show's over. Let me just add, he's doing this really weird stuff now where he'll like take the music of old like famous jazz musicians like african-american and then he's kind of putting them in his songs and he's like duetting with them Hmm. it's really weird and like people that are into jazz are like you are destroying everything that is sacred so one day he's gonna walk on stage be like and now whiplash and that's gonna be the last show (laughs) that we're ever gonna see from okay all right what else all right i'm gonna go a little i'm gonna get dour here on this one Dope Sick from Hulu. Oof. If you yeah. want to watch a TV show about one of the worst epidemics in America and how it was completely you know, created by a corporation. Did it, yeah. Oh, boy, oh, boy. So this is the show. Dope Sick is about how OxyContin was created and how it basically took over America and especially like the the more rural, like Western Virginia kind of areas, but this nationwide, this is an epidemic of people being addicted to these pills. Well, they told doctors, give it, give it, give it, and then they give did. Give it to them. There's, it's, what did they say? They said less than 2% it's addictive. It's so like, disgusting. You, and they knew the real numbers. I'm not even a doctor. But as I was watching the show, I'm like, you know what? That's not, that's not, no way that's possible. Like, nope. even back then, I've been like, there's no way uh, opiates go from being 90% yes. effective to less than 2% addictive. I'm like, no, that's just not possible. Just really disgusting. But it, when you think that you know exactly how evil these corporations can be, guys, you are wrong. <laughs> think again. Because they are just bad. This one covers uh, the family itself. I don't even want to. I'm not even going to say their name because they're about to all go to jail and lose their company. I don't know, man. We'll see if a Sackler ends up in jail. That's we will see. Hopefully, not the not the worst place they're going to end up. I'll tell Mm. you that much. Um, So it goes from the family there, the FDA. There's some government agents more from the DEA and from the Justice Department who are looking to press charges and all the hurdles they're getting in. We got uh, doctors prescribing it to patients. We have the patient's point of view on this one. We even get into the farmer reps and like the stuff that they're told on how to push these deals and like the horrible things that they do, even though they know they shouldn't be doing it, they still do it because of the money. Money, 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 money. <laughs> it has an all-star cast here. We got Michael Keaton, Peter Skarsgård, Michael Stolberg. Oh, boy. That dude is going to win all the Emmys this year for playing, like, the head Sackler. Okay. Uh, Will Poulter's in here, Rosario Dawson. It's a really good show, but it is a rough one to watch, man. Like, I haven't started yet. I need things in life to be lighter before <laughs> I start that show. That's probably smart. I mean, it's based on the book. Uh, it's based on the book by Beth Macy, um, Dope Sick Dealers, Doctors, and the Drunk Company That Addicted America. So you can go check that out as well. Uh, first four, first three episodes are available for free, and you can probably check the rest out because it's going to be everywhere, folks. Yeah. So check that one out. And it's important to understand and then not be as – don't be so judgy of the people who are in terrible situations but the people that put them in that situation. Mm-hmm. And if you want another example of how doomed we all are and how capitalism is terrible, <laughs> let's go back to the summer. <laughs> don't forget about Squid Game, everybody, because that's another dystopian oh, show boy. that tells you that we're there, we got no chance – 
And you're going to be entertained because you realize that show, we're all, we're I thought that screwed. show was stupid. But anyway. Got to make um, it to the end, Michelle. We are running out of time. So I do want to mention some of my favorite books. I really, it's funny, looking at my top books of the year, I definitely went very nature like they're all kind of involving that, and I was well, like, "Well, oh, you haven't actually been in nature." That's my so escape, totally. So the first one, my favorite book of the year, was called "Once There Were Wolves" by Charlotte McConaughey. Um, it was actually funny. She wrote a book in twenty, I think it was twenty twenty or, yeah, that was my favorite of the year also. Hmm. So she's killing it for me. But this book is about Inti Flynn. She arrives in Scotland with her twin sister Aggie to lead a team of biologists which are tasked with reintroducing 14 gray wolves into the highlands. Okay. Um, and she's hoping to not only heal the dying landscape, but her sister, too, who has had terrible things happen, and it's why they left Alaska in the first place. Um, and Inti's really changed a lot because of a lot of harm that she's witnessed, um, both on humans and the wild. And the wolves really start to surprise everyone because they're thriving, because wolves were in Scotland, wolves were everywhere, they're really great for the environment. I'll get into more of that later. Um, and then Inti starts to let her guard down, like everything's going really well. She meets someone. She's possibly falling in love. It's really great. But then a farmer is found dead, and then Inti knows who the town is going to blame. They're going to blame the wolves sure. um, and start killing them. And she really can't accept that the wolves would do this, so she makes this really reckless decision to kind of maybe hide what happened to protect mm. her wolves, but then maybe the wolves didn't do it, so who did? Is it maybe this person that she's falling for? You know, so it gets kind of mm. mystery murder, but very nature-based. It was really exceptional and spellbinding. I find her to be a really lyrical author, um, and it was just a beautiful combination of environmental fiction and a deep exploration of personal relationships, and I really loved it a lot. So please check out Once There Were Wolves. I'm just saying, if you're in Scotland and somebody gets attacked by a wolf, just drag them out to the moors and just be, like, kind of surprised and be like, oh, my God, the legends well, were true. And they just freak out. It's like they eat one sheep, and then you're like, oh, they're the worst. And it's like the reason the earth is dying is because it's overgrazed um by deer and things like that and the wolves are really important i'll just wait on that because i read a book specifically about that that i'll talk about in a minute there's just some guy in a wool sweater smoking a pipe standing in the corner like "Twas a wolf i see we need to get the hunt on again your scottish sounds a little irish i think you got to get to scotland and work on it i was gonna it's gonna end up just being a bad mel gibson impression i don't want i gotta work on it before you gotta work on it i believe in you i always go for sea shanty captain i'm working on that willem dafoe lighthouse for scottish that i would appreciate okay what else you want to recommend? Uh, I got nothing. Go, we'll go with another book. Let's oh, okay. See what else you got. So I will just say, based on that, I was so obsessed with that book that then I read um, a nonfiction one called The Rise of Wolf 8, Witnessing the Triumph of Yellowstone's Underdog by hey, Rick McIntyre. Yellowstone again. It does come up. And so Yellowstone National Park, if you don't know this, but it was once home to an abundance of wild wolves. Mm-hmm. But the park rangers killed all of them. The last one in the 1920s. And then decades later, they brought them back with the first wolves arrived from Canada in 1995. And this is the really incredible true story about these wolves. Um, first of all, you won't even believe how good they are for the land. It's it's absolutely fascinating. Every aspect of like, there's less deer, so the grass grows. So it brings mm-hmm. these animals back, which brings these back, which makes the beavers come. And then the water flow, like 
everything is better because it, of the wolves. It's almost like there's a natural reason for them to I be there. I mean, who'd have thunk it? But well, it's this focuses on Wolf 8 and how he struggles. And I mean, I do love wolves, but I think it's a fascinating story either way, even if you're not really into them. But he was like this the smallest wolf, and he was super bullied. But then he bonded with this other alpha female, and they, like, raised this family together. It's really – it's so interesting. And then there's more books in the series. He ends up raising Wolf 21, and the next book is called The Reign of Wolf 21. And then book three is about the redemption of Wolf 302. Um Absolutely, if you're into anything kind of environmental and the mm. ecosystem and the way that things work together, that is just a great book. And then the last book I got to squeeze in, I liked so many, Jacob. <laughs> I want to recommend Greenwood by Michael Christie. Okay. This was oh, such a good story. So it starts as 2038. All right. And we have Jacinda Greenwood. Um, she is kind of a storyteller and a liar and an overqualified tour guide. She babysits like ultra rich vacationers in one of the world's last remaining forests. Okay. Because it's based in reality, stuff's not going well for the world. Then the story kind of takes place in 2008, and we have Liam Greenwood, who is her father. And he's a carpenter, and it's he's, like, sprawled on his back after he fell on a workplace accident. And then it's kind of him going through like his childhood then the story kicks into 1974 we go back we have willow greenwood mm. um who would be jacinda's grandmother she's out of jail because she is always locked up for an endless series of environmental protests because um, she's trying to atone for her father's vast and violent timber empire oh. and then we click back once more to 1934 and it's everett greenwood um He's alone in this, like, squat maple syrup camp. He ends up finding um, an infant, and then he gets tangled up in this, like, web of crime and secrets and betrayal. And then his brother is, like, the head honcho of a timber empire. And it all circles out. And then after it hits 1934, it starts to pop back up to 1974, to 2008, and back to 2038. So it does, like, a full circle. Um and it's awesome. And throughout it all, it's just trees. So it really is a nature book. They're just like kind of pulsating beneath the entire story. He writes really well. They're really effortless sentences. Um, it, it was, I just loved it. Not only, like I, I loved the environmental aspect because I'm just, feel like I'm into those things because that's where we're going and that's just what I'm reading about yeah it's a future man just nothing at all and it's all going back to nature I went from reading like dystopias of one way and now I'm kind of reading like environmental dystopians of another but this is a really great the whole book is like a metaphor for the withering weathering and survival that we all have to go through I highly recommend it It sounds good, man. Like all these nature books and stuff like that I I gotta get into more of those yeah they're they're like sad but helping like, I'll, I don't know, like maybe I'll find something, some information to help with. I don't know. Find but like how, how to live one with nature. Like, how am I going to go through the impending apocalypse? Uh, this is the way I'll do Kinda. it. Kind of. I'm glad live, we're on the same page. Live, live, live that <laughs> hobbit life, man. Get, get underneath a hill. I've been trying. <laughs> that housing market's killing me. I'm looking for the woods. Jeez, oh, have you tried to buy a, um, a dirt hole underneath a tree? God, it's like, it's like ridiculous <laughs> at this point. Stupid hipsters buying everything up. Oh, all right, ridiculous guy. Why don't you plug us up? But you know where you're not going to have to deal with stupid hipsters? Hipsters buying everything up. 
at your local library. We have 37 branches all throughout Erie County. Stop on by and check it out. Pick out what you uh, want to see this year or what you want missed. If you can find out what you like the most this year. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to visit our website at www.buffalolib.org. See what programs we got going on um, and see what the hours are. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at AllBookedUpPod and let us know what your favorite movies of the year were. Or books. Or TV shows. All of it. Or just general songs. <laughs> or moments. <laughs> anything. Just tell us what you liked Yes, last year. There wasn't like a lot. So we I like that, Jacob. I like that a lot. So I'm going to end with some facts just about my girl who left us this last year, Ms. Betty White. Do you know that she sacrificed her show to invite a black guest star on? Uh, I did not know. I didn't show you had a show. Yep, she had a black guest star, and then people were like, nope, don't do that. We're going to boycott the show. So she's like, I'm going to have him on as many times as possible because I don't care because that is who she was. She was amazing. She also volunteered to deliver military supplies during World War II. She got the shout out from the military. She holds the record for the longest TV career of any actress. Oh, Yelma okay. Top and Betty White. She was nominated for an Emmy in six different decades. That's impressive. That is crazy. She started a clothing line so that she could donate the proceeds. And she was actually, this is a fact, older than Mickey Mouse and sliced bread. That's fantastic. <laughs> She's older than sliced bread. Oh, man. It's okay. I like to think that um, Dolly Parton and Betty White are really good friends. And then we could have just been in the most nice, nicest place of all time just hanging out with those guys. Could have, would have, should have. But all right. Thank you guys for joining us in the new year. And we will catch you next time. Bye.